do better. Welcome to Do Better Podcast, a digital content hub from Asade, built for minds interested in doing better. Knowledge ideas, perspectives, and research insights on topics that matter. Business advice for better decisions and growth. Latest on the world of innovation and ideas. A look inside a global world beyond borders and an open view on social challenges. You can leave your comments and suggestions on dobetter.isade.edu. Good morning, my name is Lisa Hiemberger and I'm a professor at the strategy department here at Asade and I'm also the director of the Entrepreneurship Institute. And today we're going to be talking about crowdfunding with our latest addition to the team, Dr. Daniel Blasek. Crowdfunding has become very popular in recent years as a means to engage the general public in funding innovative projects. But we actually have an expert with us today. So I'd like to uh, understand a little bit more from you, Daniel, um, about um, crowdfunding. So thank you so much for being with us this morning. Good morning, Lisa. Yeah. So I'd, I'd like to, to understand a little bit more about your research on crowdfunding, but perhaps let's start first with the basics. So what is crowdfunding and how did that start? Crowdfunding is a way of raising funds in exchange for some form of reward from a large group of people through the internet. But this concept is not entirely new. So we had crowdfunding without the internet concept many years ago. For example, the base of the State of Liberty in New York uh, was funded with an early form of crowdfunding because people could support, uh, have supported this project by spending one or two dollars. And then the newspaper, the New York Times, published their names in the newspaper in exchange for their financial contribution. And by raising many small contributions from, the, from a large group of people, they were able to build the base for the state of liberty. That's really, really fascinating. So it's actually something that has been around for a long time. But how would you say that internet has actually enabled now the a sort of a surge in um, crowdfunding initiatives? The internet is, the, is a big point here in crowdfunding because it enables people around the world to start a crowdfunding campaign without spending a lot of money to start a campaign. And also it allows people to directly support campaigns so they can find innovative products, ideas or projects they want to support uh, very easily on dedicated platforms. So what is the motivation for, for people to uh, engage in, in crowdfunding campaigns? I, I mean more from the sort of investor-consumer perspective? It depends very much on the kind of reward the consumers are offered. So usually we uh, differentiate between four different types of crowdfunding. So one of the oldest or most established uh, um, kinds of crowdfunding is donation-based crowdfunding, where you raise money for a social project or philanthropic initiative and Usually the, the backer, what we call the consumer or supporter in a crowdfunding campaign, receives no tangible reward. Maybe he receives an email, like a thank you email for example, or his name is put on the wall of supporters or donors, but it's a new way of online fundraising for social activities. The second one is uh, lending-based crowdfunding, where, pe can, where people raise money uh, by giving out a, some kind of loan. So people receive interest, so they give money to a project. It can be a person uh, raising funds to buy a new computer, for example, but also to cover other costs such student fees, for example, uh, college fees, for example. And um, 
they receive fixed interest payments for their financial contribution. I think the most uh, known form of crowdfunding is reward-based crowdfunding, which is very well uh, established on platforms such as Kickstarter, where people can back a wide range of different products or projects. And these projects differ. Usually, they offer some kind of innovative, tangible product, which the supporter receives in exchange for his support. So you s they, they promise or they, they plan to pr uh, develop a new product, and you give a little bit of money to this project, and then later, hopefully, you will receive this kind of product. And the last form, the fourth one, is uh, equity-based crowdfunding, which is really more in the uh, investment direction, where people can invest in very early stage companies, which was previously only available for, for uh, professional investors in venture capital or business angels. But with equity-based crowdfunding, they can invest in equity-like instruments in young startups. And if they perform very well, they will also uh, profit from the from the. Mm. So it's actually also a means of, of engaging retail investors in, in this type of more risky type uh, investment. Is, is that? Yes, but, it, but it's way more than raising funds. So crowdfunding allows uh, entrepreneurs to validate the market at a very early stage. For example, and use this, this interest to develop their product. They can test different pricing schemes. Um, but also it democratizes access to mm -hmm. capital because we know that in capital markets and other uh, sources of finance, minorities were not able to raise funds freely on the market. But with crowdfunding, uh, they are able to start their crowdfunding campaign worldwide and it opens access to minorities. Mm -hmm. So that's a big point. So the motivation differs a lot. Some people want to support a project, bringing it to life, being an early uh, stage backer. Others see more the financial benefit or the, the tangible products, so they're shopping around or feeling like shopping around. So it differs a little bit based on the project mm. or uh, category you support. Well, that's really interesting. And, and on the other side, so actually the entrepreneurs, uh, you, you mentioned a little bit the benefits already, that it provides a, a sort of an access to finance that perhaps they would not get otherwise. Could you provide some, some more uh, examples or, or, or a little bit more, um, more facts and so forth on, on that topic? Like, is it really changing uh, the landscape for entrepreneurs in, around the world? Yeah, I totally believe this because uh, in earlier times we had a small group of people deciding what products come to the market. We had you presented your idea to a banker or to, a, um, to an equity fund, a venture capital, and they decided, will there be a need? Mm -hmm. And with crowdfunding, you can directly test is, is there a need and further develop. You get feedback from the investors. So they say, yes, the version was very good, but you could improve this, this, and this. So it helps you to show the interest, the market need for your product, but also to improve your products in the following rounds. And what we see nowadays is that really established companies using crowdfunding to introduce new products mm. without using large marketing budgets. So they target early stage or consumers or backers, which is usually very expensive to convince. Yeah. So there are a lot of different benefits except of raising money, which is also very helpful yeah, in many yeah, terms. Yeah. Well, that's, that's really interesting. So the, there's one part which is more about validation of sort of early stage products and services, perhaps? That's really services, I guess. There are also, it, they're, 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 I can't, it's not possible to, uh, to, 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 to concentrate this on one thing. Mm. So there, there are also people offering services. So for example, for an app, which is a product right, on its yeah. own, but you can have this 
a monthly service subscription by crowdfunding mm -hmm. because there's a other platform uh, which is often used for media outlets for podcasts for example where you pay a monthly fee mm -hmm. and that's on patreon uh, which is uh, also a crowdfunding model but with continuous funding so you spend every month three dollars uh, to support a podcast and they raise this money and uh, use it for the product that's great and and on the other side there it's also a means of uh, funding sort of new startups i guess and you mentioned also that it might al uh, help minorities get access to finance um, because you know sometimes there's a bias towards certain groups of society um, from in the perspective of of regular investors um, so can you say something more about that you know is that has that been shown in research Yes, there are recently uh, many papers. Uh, for example, we know that women are uh, less likely in the past to raise funds from venture capitalists mm -hmm. because they're also on the boards of venture capitalists are most likely other men and they usually prefer to invest in other men-based companies. And with crowdfunding, we see that there's the, the share of women of starting a crowdfunding campaign is really high and they are s often more successful than their men counterparts. So for example, it helps women to, to raise funds in this uh, sense. Oh, that's really fantastic. So I, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> so le let's move to, to actually your own research on, on this topic. I know that you have been studying um, a Kickstarter. Um, and so I'd, I'd like to know a little bit more about Kickstarter. And, and I just read a little bit about it. And I, I saw that uh, co-founder Perry Chen says that Kickstarter focuses on the middle ground between patronage and, and commerce. So there's, it's actually a sort of a hybrid model. And also that there's obviously no guarantee that the products that are funded will work or that the money will be used efficiently. Uh, Kickstarter's own uh, data uh, shows that 9% of uh, Kickstarter products fail to deliver rewards. But what about your own research on this topic? Could you tell us a little bit more? Yeah, my main research is currently focusing on two issues. The first one is why do firms use crowdfunding? Because we have the different models, venture capital banks, to understand why do they enter this new kind of market? Um, maybe because they are of lower quality, because they don't get funding from other sources, or maybe because they are, for example, connected to a bank which is not able to serve you because they are stressed from the financial crisis. And that's what we show in one paper, that firms are sometimes of lower quality, but also the uh, other part is that they are not able to raise funds because of the current capital markets. So it helps, it's again helping uh, access or uh, granting access mm -hmm. to finance. And the other part is I'm looking very much at on what happens after the crowdfunding campaign. As you said, it's uh, about 9% on Kickstarter data that or they say they do not deliver the product mm -hmm. because it's not guaranteed. And crowdfunding is a mass market today. There are many, many millions of, of people registered at Kickstarter using this product. And my research, my research, we show that uh, many people are not aware of these risks. So Kickstarter, it states when you uh, back a project, Kickstarter is not a store. But we show many people are not aware of this risk and are very disappointed when the project is delayed. Because we also check these numbers of the 9% and we see that, uh, m that most of the, especially in the technology and games category, most projects are delayed by, by a long time. So at least about 80, 90 mm -hmm. days. Uh, and we show that more than the 9% are not delivering. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not saying these projects are scamming. Uh, 
scam They're is over-optimistic, maybe. Exactly, that's mm. the point. So uh, they promise, they, they create a new product, which is usually not on the market. So they, it's not that they sell an existing product. Mm -hmm. They raise funds to develop the product. And in many cases, they are over-optimistic. They promise too much. They give too much discounts, for example. And this missing discount margin leads to, the, for example, or the, or the demand is too high. And when the demand is too high, you have to switch suppliers later. You plan it to produce in a small scale, but then you have more than 250,000 uh, backers on Kickstarter you have to deliver, and then you have to switch everything. Mm -hmm. So there are a lot of risk inside the, 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 the process afterwards. And it depends on what do you t uh, how do you define delivery. So um, many projects fail, but they have a good explanation. But some projects do not communicate uh, afterwards. Hmm. So why do you think that you know these particular consumers who are um, uh, buying, in a way, products through Kickstarter, why would they do that? I mean, if they know that there's a risk uh, and so forth. It's the question, do they know that there is a risk uh -huh. or not? And the second, it's very difficult to say buying, because it's, that's exactly mm -hmm. not what it's not the case on Kickstarter. Mm -hmm. You're not buying the product. But they think they're buying. What we see from mm -hmm. analyzing more than 9 million consumer comments on Kickstarter, we see many of them think that they bought the product at this right. uh, place, and that there is a guarantee. But actually, it's an investment in the project. Formally, I think it's more like uh, donating money to mm -hmm. a project, and you are offered um, the, the reward in exchange. So, but there's the legal uh, side is very difficult to analyze. Mm -hmm. Is there? Th but it's not on Amazon. On Amazon, when you pre-order order something, there's a guarantee that you will get the product because there's a valid contract in between. In Kickstarter, it's way more difficult to to think about this one, uh, and many consumers are maybe not aware of this mm. risk that the product is. Uh, but there's also recent research showing that scam is very, very rare on Kickstarter. So it's very important to say, yes, maybe they are over-optimistic, mm -hmm. which is important because otherwise maybe they would not start a project, but they are not cheating. So right. they are not fooling around there. So yeah. you still recommend consumers to, to continue supporting projects through Kickstarter? Exactly. I do the mm -hmm. same. So uh, <laughs> I've now supported more than 90, 90 crowdfunding campaigns. Right. I got the most of them. S most of them are delayed. Um, some of them are not up to date anymore when you receive the products. Um, but still, I totally believe in this market mm -hmm. that it can uh, help us to define a new way of putting the consumer in the middle of the production process of discovering ideas because you can s decide what you want to support and help to bring on the market. And if you're actually identifying a particularly interesting product through Kickstarter, can you then invest in that company later on? Usually not. That that's, uh, depends on the type. So we discussed now on Kickstarter, it's the reward-based uh, type. Mm -hmm. And th there are some cases, for example, where people were really disappointed because they backed the project. For example, Oculus Rift, which mm -hmm. is a virtual reality glasses. Uh, they backed it on Kickstarter, were really risky in backing this project with early stage. And then the company was bought by Facebook. Yeah. But they did not profit from this one because it's reward-based. Right. They when got they no upside from this. Exactly. Mm -hmm. uh, but when the company is on uh, equity-based crowdfunding, they're using this model then you could profit from this mm -hmm. one. And there are already some unicorns, uh, especially in the UK on these platforms, but there are unicorns funded from, from Kickstarter. For example, the banking startup Revolut. Okay, and, and maybe just to finalize, uh, are there any sort of new research topics that you're um, interested in engaging in on, on this overarching topic of crowdfunding? 
Yeah, we discussed, for example, the, the, the topic of over-optimism. Mm -hmm. uh, and currently, I'm looking with my co-author Armin Schwienbacher on this topic. Why are people over-optimistic? And how can we help to develop more realistic plans? And we are currently developing a model or a website where we can help consumer or uh, entrepreneurs to create more realistic plans by because we have seen that many forget, for example, the shipping costs. Mm -hmm. And in, we know it from marketing, there are the return costs because backers change their address, then the, the parcel will be sent back to this one, creates a lot of costs. So and many people forget this. And we develop a website or a model where we help entrepreneurs to develop more realistic plans to consider all these uh, unforeseen costs. Okay, well, thank you so much, Daniel, for sharing you know, your insights from your research. And uh, I do think that crowdfunding is, is a really fascinating topic. And what we've seen from Daniel's um, research is really that um, there, there's a, it's a means to, to actually get access to, to finance for really new uh, entrepreneurial product, uh, uh, projects. But it's also a way for consumers and retail investors to, to invest in these types of, of uh, projects and organizations. So thank you so much for listening today. If you still want to learn more, remember, you can register on our platform, dobetter.asade.edu. That was all for today. Until next time, thank you.